I'm Krista, born in Toronto and raised in Durham, and now living in Clarington. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional and treaty territory of the Mississaugas and Chiboys of the Anishinaabeg, known today as the Williams Treaty's First Nation. On today's podcast, we go back to the vault this entire month of January and revisit 80s high school delinquency films and later talk about the value of taking the scenic route. But before we start and before we get right into our catch up, we've got a special guest in the studios. Woo! Yay! <laughs> it is Krista, early childhood educator extraordinaire and also one of my cousins. So thank you for joining us on the podcast. It is my pleasure, Clea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so excited that you're here. And I know that you're an avid listener of the podcast as well. And that Siggy thanks you while he's away on location. So let's get right into it. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? We like to watch a lot of movies. Yes. So I have two young boys and we recently watched Encanto. Mm. Encanto? Encanto, I think, right? Have you seen it, Korea? No, but Siggy saw it and he told me everything about it. He thinks it's wonderful and just kind of helps explain why people are bestowed with certain powers or not and that there's a great lesson in all of that. It is. I really enjoyed it. Disney is really good at capturing kind of all of that. And the music and the mm. colors and the visuals it was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. And the boys really enjoyed it. Oh, that's so great to hear. I know that it's certainly on my list, but my list like perpetually gets longer and longer. <laughs> but I promise you I'll get to it. It looks like a really great Disney flick. Anything mm-hmm. else that you've been up to pop culture wise? Recently, David and I watched Eternals. Right. We watched that Marvel movie. I, I know there have been a lot of mixed reviews on Eternals. A lot of people not really liking it and yes, whatnot, yes. but I liked it. Yeah. I think it doesn't relate to the MCU and all of those right. main characters. So I think if you have that kind of mindset going in that yeah. they are not related, yes. then I think you'll enjoy it more. I liked it. I really did. Right, right. I know that Siggy did a taste test with one of our other kind of guest co-hosts, right? Mm-hmm. They liked it, but they had interesting comments and critiques about it. But I think it sounds like if it's all about mindset and perspective and stuff like that. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. I had heard those reviews previous to watching this. I kind of prepared myself for, okay, don't compare it to all those other huge movies think about it as its own movie as a standalone that's good advice because i still haven't watched the eternals yet and i would just like to watch it just so that i can say that i've seen it as part of the entire mcu canon anything else that you want to tell me about in terms of pop culture before i tell you a little bit on my pop culture catch-up david and i like to watch a lot of netflix comedies Mm -hmm. and we recently watched one jimmy carr and his dark material do you watch stand-up clear at all i do but i don't know too much about jimmy carr and his dark material tell me more he's quite different from a lot of the other comedians that we watch so a lot of comedians will kind of tell a little story Mm. and then kind of expand their story and then kind of wrap it around at the end to kind of blend it all whereas jimmy carr is very like kind of punchline punchline like Mm. little kind of punchlines here 
I liked it. It's a little, I mean... Is it racy? It's a little racy, <laughs> but I mean, I quite enjoyed it. It's pretty good. I liked it. I think you should maybe watch an episode and, okay. and let me I, know how you like it. I'll text you once I do that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, what I've been up to pop culture wise is recently Michael has been saying he's wanted to watch The Lost Daughter on Netflix. And for those of you that don't know, it's a story of a comparative Italian research professor who takes a working holiday in Greece and then gets entranced in the lives of another vacationing family. And they kind of allude to the fact that they're a mafia of sorts. And we know it has to do something with her past, that something about this family is triggering or activating some past memory that she hasn't really worked through. And I have to say it's a slow burn and a character study at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So you talked about the Eternals needing like a mindset. You right. really need a mindset for this. It's got to be kind of like today, a really snowy, slow, contemplative day. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Else, if you were trying to watch this with Dave, which I wouldn't recommend, but because <laughs> <it would> be, <laughs> I know what Dave likes. And we love Dave, but I know that Dave would not appreciate this. You might find Dave saying, is anything going to happen in this film? (laughs) I speak well of you, Dave, pure love. I just know that this is not a movie that he would probably appreciate. But it Mm -hmm, is a mm -hmm. slow burn and a character study with Olivia Coleman, who was recently on The Crown. It's something interesting to check out if you have that type of mood or in a com- contemplative, pensive mood. Nice. Was it filmed in Greece? I think it was. I couldn't tell. I've never been to Greece, but it looked Greek enough. But it wasn't Greece. in like yeah. Santorini where, you know, they've got all the painted blue, mm-hmm. you know, blue and white houses on the cliff and stuff like that. You know, we just knew that they were in Greece. That's all we knew. Like, I have to say the first 20 minutes was Michael and myself trying trying to figure out where did they film. And then at some point I had to put on the subtitles and then it was like, oh, it's in mm-hmm. Greece. Well, they're probably in Greece then, right? So that's all. Uh, I have to... Okay. Have okay. you been to Greece? Mm-hmm. I know you guys have been to Europe, but I don't know that. Not yet. Not yet. We'd like to go. It's beautiful there. So that's why I asked mm. if it was filmed in Greece because it would be nice to see kind of like the architecture and whatnot. Oh, would love to do that too. Well, mm-hmm. maybe when this pandemic becomes endemic. Yeah. The other thing that has entranced me, and I think I've been saying this to the listeners this entire season, this fourth season, is, is, is that I've been in an epic period peace mode. So I was watching Wheel of Time before. I've mm-hmm. been watching, oh, what was the other one? Oh, The Witcher on Netflix. I had recently burned through that. In that same kind of period piece vein, Michael and I just finished season two of Nightfall starring Tom Cullen from Downton Abbey and also mm-hmm. Mark Hamill. And as you know, your Kuya is a big Star Wars junkie, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was fun to see Mark Hamill in this season as well. And it's the recounting of a historical drama on the Knights Templar during the Avignon Papacy in France. So for anyone that's a history buff, it's probably a really great series or period series to watch. Unfortunately, it has two seasons, and I think that they had canceled it, but at least it ended on a very satisfying note as far as I'm concerned. Oh, good, good. Yeah. And you're done. You're done that you've completed the season. You've watched all the episodes. Yeah, all the episodes, all two seasons. It wasn't that hard. 16 episodes, (laughs) you know, one episode a night and stuff like that. I know some people Mm kind of like to binge, but lately I've just been kind of wanting to savor these things and think about it and talk about it with Michael. Right. That's been really fun. But I have to tell you, Krisha, so again, both The Lost Daughter and Nightfall were at Michael's request. And so, of course, okay. we take turns and I decided to oblige him at this point. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, season two was filled with so much torture and violence. I was just like, 
Oh. You know, we were both having to kind of look away and talk. Yeah. And they were punishing people for a number of wrongdoings. Wow. And torturing them for their wrongdoings at the same time. And it was like, I don't think I want to watch this anymore. This is really, <laughs> this is going to traumatize gruesome, me. Gruesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. gruesome, right? Just because they had done some unproven wrongdoing. Oh, boy. Yeah, so from the 12th century wrongdoings to wrongdoings of teens, that really kind of takes us into today's pop culture topic. Mm-hmm. Listeners, as you'll remember, we are back to the vault in the month of January where the Hollow Hollow podcast revisits a particular theme or pop culture movement. In this case, we decided we're going to revisit 80s high school delinquency films. And uh, Mm -hmm. Christian and I did a really quick planning of this particular episode, but I have to say it was really fun just kind of putting our thoughts together on this. Would you say? Definitely, definitely. Actually, Kuya, to be honest, so you know me, I like to prepare myself and, you know, have all my notes and whatnot. So contacted me in the morning and I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do these two movies. Well, maybe I want to just refresh and quickly watch these two movies. Ah! So I quickly <laughs> Good for you. Those two movies, like in the background as I'm doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it was- It was nice to see those movies again. Oh, so fun. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you're here. I couldn't think of a better person to actually do this, considering that, you know, as an educator yourself, seeing the full gamut in terms of kind of like classroom management, delinquency, truancy, like all of that stuff. Even though you do more with early childhood education and that age range, I think some of those concepts still kind of apply even to teenage delinquency as well. And when I think about teenage delinquency, films. The first one that automatically comes up for me, and I think also for you, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, starring Matthew mm-hmm. Broderick, Jennifer Grey, mm-hmm. Alan Runk, and Mia Sarah from 1986. Listeners, yes. if you could see, you should see like the big grin on Chris's face right now. <laughs> For for those listeners that don't know or haven't heard of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, first, it's a classic, and I think it's been admitted into the Smithsonian. Second, the story is about, again, Ferris Bueller, who convinces his girlfriend Sloan, his best friend Cameron, I just love Cameron, to skip Mm -hmm. school as they are soon to become graduates in their high school and take in Chicago as the Windy City and participate in a parade and get into a whole host of hijinks along the way while the mm-hmm. school's principal, Mr. Rooney, is on the hunt to prove Ferris and his company while they're skipping school. So, Krisha, the question that I want to ask you, and then I'll also answer it myself, is what did you love about this film? I love the fact that he had this crazy plan. Yes. Right? It was very well intricated. It so they planned to all the different things they did. Yes. Joyride in a really expensive car, mm-hmm. eating at a very fancy restaurant, yes, yes. going to a baseball game and catching one of the foul balls oh, and yes. joining the parade. And then all of the little things like what if the principal called him? Well, then he had an answering machine right. that like automatically. Or what him. happens if his mom checks in on him, right? Yes. And he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and it the was hand, him. yes. Yeah, the snoring in the background. Like he just thought of everything for it to go as smooth as possible. I think that's what I loved about this film the most, that it was just so well planned out. 
Yeah, I certainly was really impressed of his planning and his ability to anticipate everything. And, you know, Krisha, in some ways, I'm not surprised. Listeners, what you need to know is that when there are big family fam jams that are going on, I usually lean on Krisha heavily in terms of being able to do some of that logistic stuff because Krisha is very logistically minded. But it is quite impressive, right? Like if how he thought some right, of that stuff. Yeah, for him to think of all of those different, like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And he had it all covered. He knew what to do. Right. Even for the luxury car. And he had like, oh, let's just put it on runners and we'll just keep going until it like <laughs> it, it resets to zero and we just got to keep going. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like, at one point I was like, I'm sure he's got the gas figured out, but I'm not going to even bother trying to figure that out because it's probably some Easter egg somewhere in this entire film that has it figured out. Oh, it was, right, right. It was genius. And I think I remember watching this the first time thinking to myself, Oh my goodness, how clever, clever, clever he is. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Very clever. You couldn't mm-hmm. help but want to cheer for him in some ways. In terms of what I love, I just loved how energetic and fast-paced all of this was. And I think, you know, I don't think I could have described it back then as this, but now when I look back on it, it was that cat and mouse dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. where it was like having to be two or three steps ahead of Mr. Rooney, the principal, and how he right. would be like eventually mauled by the dog. Yeah. Like all these things where he kept getting befuddled along the way. And then you just see Ferris just looking back in Matthew Broderick's charming way. You know, yes, saying yes. like, mm, you can try to catch me. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. The other thing that I absolutely love too was just along the way, his fourth wall commentary. And to me at the time, that was really unique and exciting. And so it was just really fun to kind of see that. Like he would just kind of yeah. say, Sloan. Do, 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 right. What you should know about Cameron. Cameron's a hypochondriac. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. So it was just yeah. kind of like that. The other thing that I absolutely loved about the film was just how preposterous some of the things that they were doing, just kind of like what you were talking about from like yeah. crash test dummies to fake answering machine messages, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then getting Casios to make barfing sounds, you know, yeah. and... And again, just like what you said, the logistics and the orchestration, I just really absolutely loved how he put that together. So despite Mm -hmm. how preposterous some things seemed, it was like, oh, clever, clever, clever. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, when did you first watch this film? To be honest, I can't really remember the first time I watched this film. So I was born in the early 80s. And this movie came out, I think it was mid 80s. So I would assume that I would have watched this probably around like 10, which to me is still young. I feel like that (laughs) is still young. But I think like having older cousins, you guys, you know, watching these kind of movies, I was able to watch these movies as well. And my parents didn't really shelter me. Right. Oh, if your cousins are watching it, that's okay. You can watch it too. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like I would never let Dominic watch this movie. No No, way. No, of course not. Not right right, at 10. So at 10, I didn't probably get all of the little things that I would have gotten now. But I feel like I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it even watching it 
at a young one age. One of the over and over shows that I see on like city TV, at least growing up, was like Grease. Mm-hmm. Very much enjoyed the music, but didn't really understand some of the concepts of false pregnancy, mm-hmm. domestic violence. Like, I mean, there was like long distance relationships. I mean, I was mm-hmm. just all concerned about how musical the whole thing was. But then, you know, right. I remember watching years later, it was like, oh my God, Rizzo was dealing with a false pregnancy. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Right? I mean, Krisha, you and I grew up as latchkey kids at the right. end of the day. And you're mm-hmm. right, like perhaps our parents could have done a better job of sheltering. But, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that when you look back on it, watching it, it's still just as entertaining when you watched it when you were a little bit younger. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When I watched this film, I remember watching this film a little bit later in high school. So it did come out in 1986, but I don't think I really got to it till just a little bit later. It had come out the summer before my grade nine year. And I just remember mm-hmm. people were thinking that it was like the primer on how to be on high school. And I'm mm-hmm. sure when this came out, it probably gave a lot of high school teachers a headache because I'm sure yeah. that there were enough <laughs> high school students trying to pull the same pranks in some ways. Oh, definitely. Hijinks yeah. In terms of being able to skip school or get out. But I don't think that's actually how it occurs. And I remember being able to get a copy of it. And I remember it was also restricted at the time. And believe it or not, Krista, your family has a part to play in all of this. (laughs) So what happened was I got a copy because it came out on Super Channel Pay TV. So you had to get this box that then you had to pay extra for, and then you got to watch Super Channel movies. So it would be like today the equivalent like of an HBO Max subscription or okay. TV mm-hmm. subscription, except, mm-hmm. you know, it also had lots and lots of movies. And you had to have the Super Channel film guide. Okay. Guess who had a subscription to pay TV? Your, My mom? Your mom. <laughs> And so I remember, you know, one day we were over and it was like, I knew we were coming over. I knew Ferris Bueller's Day Off was premiering on the Super Channel. And so I put in a blank videotape, the VHS tape or whatever it was, maybe it was a Betamax tape and then taped mm-hmm. it and then watched it later when I got home. And so it was like, thank you, Krista's mom for having That's so KTV. funny. Yeah, it totally was. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it was just like, oh my gosh, I certainly got my fill. You know, when I'd be over, it'd be like, oh, what Super Channel stuff is showing? Because like (laughs) my parents were like, they didn't want to pay for like Super Channel. So it was great that your mom did. But they had those other boxes (laughs) to get those movies. Anyways, that's how I got to see Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But I just remember all my friends talking about it, thinking, oh, like Mm -hmm. this is how to be a high school student. We're going to do this when we're seniors. And I was just like, yeah, right. Oh yeah, my gosh. right. Yeah, right. Like the only thing that I'm going to do is skip in grade 11 and go see a Madonna concert. And that's it. And yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, Krisha, I have to ask you, like, you know, looking back, great comedy, coming of age story. Mm-hmm. But I also think it had some really interesting lessons to learn. This movie, after all, became an iconic film of the 80s in terms of at mm-hmm. least just high school and even high school delinquency films. And again, has been admitted into the Smithsonian. And I think it's got some cultural significance and some personal development significance. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, what did you take away from watching this film? Well, they mentioned that um, they were graduating Mm. from high school. So I think that sometimes in the hustle and bustle of, you know, life, getting busy and school, you just have to take a U-day, right? 
this movie kind of portrayed that really well. Mm -hmm. Like Ferris Bueller, Ferris, he just kind of wanted to take a day that he could spend with his best friend and his girlfriend because he was going to graduate soon. So this is a day for them to enjoy before they go off to bigger and better things. Right. Mm -hmm. Well put. And, you know, it's interesting because I bet you today, if not that it could ever be remade, but if it was, if someone actually was brave enough to attempt it, it would be seen as like a mental health day. But then you wouldn't have Mr. Yeah. Rooney trying to hunt you down, trying to prove no, that, that you're skipping. That, that was not appropriate. Like, watching that again now, I'm like, what he's doing, that is not appropriate. No, no, you would have a truancy officer, and it's like, why is he obsessed? Yeah, yes, yeah. You know, he exactly. would lose his, his teaching license or something like that. Yeah. So shame on yeah. Mr. Rooney. You know, shame yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. In terms of me, I think what I took mm-hmm. away from the film was all of this mention of worry. You know, something that we haven't mentioned is Ferris's sister Jeannie, mm-hmm. and how. And it wasn't until she like runs in at the end to who is it? Charlie Sheen, I think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, where Charlie Sheen eventually teaches her to not worry about mm-hmm. trying to keep up with his brother, or get her brother into trouble or anything like that. And how Cameron was always worried. And I have to say, I think if it wasn't for Cameron, I don't think I would have understood or known anything about mm-hmm. hypochondriasis and stuff like that. You know, he right. was constantly getting sick. He was worried about getting mm-hmm. sick, worried about getting caught, worried about getting into trouble. And what I learned is, is that all of that just creates more worries. And I just appreciated how Ferris had an appreciate now mentality. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Let's just, let's just appreciate it. And yeah. let's just, as you say, enjoy the moment and savor the moment. And I think that Ferris was such a breath of fresh air. So much so that I love that scene where at the yeah. end, after the car kind of crashes and goes in and Cameron <laughs> knew that he was going to have to stick up. He was like, no, I'll just accept the consequences. So I thought yeah. that is fantastic. And I have to just say, that, you know, to me, the reason why I see Ferris Bueller's Day Off, not only just as a way to kind of concentrate on yourself and a reason to concentrate on yourself as a meditation mm-hmm. on worry, is this is that I think someone like me, as you had said earlier, you know, being oldest siblings, you know, we pave the way and there's so much worrying and sometimes we worry about our right. younger siblings because of mm-hmm. being, you know, part of this collectivist based culture that we call being Filipino. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you no, know, I needed to hear that it's okay not to worry so much, that things are just going to work out. Or if you're worried about something, you just can't control the uncertainty of it all. And so the film really opened my eyes that the best way to control life is really to take control of my choice to just accept uncertainty. So that's certainly what I learned from the film. Mm -hmm. The other teenage delinquency film that I kind of think of, and you and I kind of, it was so funny how when we were planning this, you and I both thought about this, (laughs) right? And this is probably one of my all-time favorite films and all-time favorite films in the 80s is another John Mm -hmm. Hughes film. It is The Breakfast Club, which came out in 1985. And for Mm -hmm. our listeners that don't know, it starred Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy, where they had reported for an all-day detention where they were asked to write an essay on who they think they are. And of Mm -hmm. course, in that time, they managed their boredom of detention by arguing with each other, talking, and then eventually Mm -hmm. smoking pot. (laughs) (laughs) which opens them up to discovering each other's social location and struggles. And listeners, what you need to know, those that haven't ever watched The Breakfast Club, each of these characters come from a different clique. 
And Mm -hmm. it was just incredible on how they kind of get to the end where at the end they have a better understanding of each other and to still fulfill that detention requirement of writing an essay. Claire, the princess, asks the brain to Mm -hmm. write everyone's essay and he like famously penned that last letter at the end where he says, you know, who are we? Well, each of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket Mm -hmm. case, a princess, and a criminal. Sincerely, The Breakfast Club. And I just remember... Oh my God, that was perfect. And then you can see Judd Nelson walking across the football field. Yeah. And then that fist. That fist in the air. (laughs) And then, you know, don't you forget about me. So Mm -hmm, mm I absolutely love this film. Krisha, what I want to know, when did you first watch this film? So again, I feel like I was younger when I watched this film, probably like 10 or 11 I kind of think that like you were re- older. I don't think that it was that you're younger. I think you're old for your age, right? Meaning you're wise right. for your age as far as right, I'm concerned. Right, right. Yeah. And again, like re-watching this again, yeah. this movie had a lot of swear words in it. Oh my God, so yes, it does. That, <laughs> thinking of my like 10-year-old, but I mean, when I was watching this when I was 10 or 11, you know, none of that really fazed me or it didn't, it's not something that really bothered me. Right. But I know definitely watching it, Again, today, I was like, I can't believe I watched this when I was so young. Yeah, but it's not like it made you into like a truck driving potty mouth or anything no, like that. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, see, listeners, you can take in media, but it's not necessarily going to turn you into a truck driving, swearing yes. person or anything like that. Nothing against truck drivers. That's just a stereotype. I recognize yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, in terms of when I first watched this film, I was coming out of elementary school and one of my friends was just an obsessed with John Hughes films. And I remember he introduced Mm -hmm. me to Pretty in Pink and he was just so obsessed with Ducky. And, And I just appreciated all of John Hughes films. And I remember my elementary school friend was so excited that it was like Breakfast Club was coming out. And mm-hmm. friend at the time, his name was Carlos. He was able to get a rental copy and was able to get us to watch it in our Scarborough home mm-hmm. on Danforth. And, and again, it was just before going into high school. So it was that summer when I had watched it. And it was a pivotal time, you know, again, moving to high school. And for me, just as much as Ferris Bueller's Day Off formed as a primer for a lot of other people, my primer was more about the breakfast club. Like, this is how I Mm -hmm. wanted to be and trying to kind of navigate identity along the way. And I think John Hughes, to me, wrote a real masterpiece, kind of like identifying identity. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. wow. And not in a very kind of didactic, I'm going to teach you sort of way. It's just going to show you real life and how people come from different places, but we all yes. kind of come to the same place, right? Would you agree, Krisha? Yeah. 100%. I really liked the way that he showed everyone's kind of different cliques, everyone's mm. different lifestyles and their family dynamics and kind of what each of them were all going through. Yeah, absolutely loved it. All their struggles and then how they find commonality at the end. And that mm-hmm. they're, as they say, you know, they all can be part of all of those different clique identities. So, you know, I've started to get it kind of get us into this next part. What do you love about the film? What did you love about the film? Well, because I was younger watching this, I really loved kind of the whole high school scene because I was younger, you know, Mm. so watching any sort of high school movie, I find high school movies were kind of more glorified for me, you know, like, ooh, look, them being a high, and then having you guys as older (laughs) cousins and hearing all of your experiences about what you're doing in high school. And this is, you know, being on a cheerleader team and being, right? Yes, yes, yes. Hearing all those experiences and then watching the movies, I really enjoyed kind of just seeing it all. Right. Like you had mentioned, seeing the different stereotypical high school characters, 
hearing their stories, right. their experiences, realizing that, oh, even though he's the jock, right. yes, he does go through problems. Yeah. Even though she's the princess, yes, she also goes through yes, problems. Yes. We like under it all, we're all the same. We're all so the I same. really like that kind of underlying message. Yeah, there's a sense of equality. In, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways in terms of this film. And I think that that's what I I certainly love about this film. And similar to you, just the simplicity. Usually nowadays when you watch a film, it's told in like grand different locations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was just told in a one setting, two setting high school. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. like the interludes was just in the school. And there was a really beautiful simplicity to it. And I think for me, it was the first time I had seen a really, in my mind, a cerebral film it was a lot of talking they're like it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. about action it was about kind of like a discourse between and amongst these five individuals and and i didn't know this at the time but i realized and as i was intimating here that this is probably the first time i had ever understood or started to see elements of inclusivity and empathy in pop culture mm. where it's like they come from five different cliques but then they figure out how to include each other in each other's lives Mm -hmm. and then take certain parts or elements from each other. Like I just love the basket case, Ali Sheedy's character where she then at the Mm -hmm. end tears off from Emilio Estevez's jock Letterman shirt, like one of the wrestling patches. And then she's like, I'm going to keep this and stuff like that. (laughs) And, and just kind of like what it means to welcome and that it was a true sense of welcoming. Like, it's not like they got together and they welcomed each other and were congenial about it. They were like, they were first judgmental and then they talked about it and then they realized, Oh, we're actually much more alike than not. And so I really loved how they found commonalities in their differences, you know, Mm -hmm. and that again, we don't need to be pigeonholed into one identity. In fact, we're many identities in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think we say that a lot on the Hala Hala podcast, as you know. Mm -hmm. What I want to know, Krista, is what did you learn from this film? What did I learn? Yeah. Um, Well, high school, I feel like high school is such a difficult time for people in general. It's a time where you're trying to fit in. Yes. You're trying to figure out who you are. Right. You're trying to figure out who you are amongst other people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this movie kind of portrayed it really well, like yeah. who you are as an individual and who you are to other people. I have a niece, Leilani. I always tell her mm-hmm. that friends are not always important. What's important is what you think and what you feel, not how other people think or feel about you, you know? Oh, you're such a great Tita! No, oh, I, <laughs> I try. Like, I know that is such wisdom. I always tell her, like, right now you might not see it because mm. friends are very important in teenager life, yes, right? Of you want to be accepted, you want to be liked, you want to, you know, you want to be the popular kid, you right. want to have the good grades. Yeah. So I always tell her, like, it's not important what other people think about you because at the end of the day, they are not what's going to get you to where you need to be. That's right. right. You are going to get yourself where you need to be, That's not right. other people. That's right. So well, I say that to, you know, Leilani's older cousins, mm-hmm. Maria and Jessica's kids, where mm-hmm. it's very much about kind of like, I don't want you going to post-secondary, you know, colleges or universities where you're following friends or, right. you know, it's like at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live your life. Friends are important, but you got to live your life and follow what's important to you and what you're passionate mm-hmm. about. Oh, Krista, mm-hmm. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy to hear mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of what I've learned from this film, what I've learned is, is that without understanding and refraining from judgment, you 
won't understand how people got to where they got to. Mm -hmm. I just think to myself, understanding that the jock has a hard life, really regrets some of his actions or the same thing with the brain or the princess. Right. Blew my mind that we can inhabit different social locations as well. And mm -hmm. what I also learned is, is that people's identities are within and not from the outside. It's not what you mm -hmm. can see. It's not that Claire is wearing a really pretty dress or uh, lipstick. And in fact, I just love that scene when Claire puts lipstick on Ali Sheedy's character, the basket case. Yeah. And then suddenly mm -hmm. she's like, she transforms all of a sudden. Right. And yet that character has always been there. That has always right. been there. It's just, you know, it just kind of comes out a little bit more. And then the last mm -hmm. thing that I really learned from this film is that it's authenticity, not vulnerability mm -hmm. that leads to connection. And I think what I really appreciated and learned from this film is, is that that's how you connect with others, right? When you're authentic, not when you're vulnerable, right. not if you're loud or brass, unless that's exactly who you are, right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> then, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Jasmine, <laughs> you know, which we love, right? Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things that I, I'd say is a big standout for me, that if you want to make connections with others, you got to be authentic. And so... Authentic and kind, Kuya. Yeah. I feel like you don't know what other people are going through. And yes. this movie kind of really showed it really well. You don't know what everyone's no, going through. Right. And everyone's going through their own problems. So I feel like just be kind. Oh, that is true. Mm -hmm. That is a loud message in this film and something that I think sometimes we can forget because also them up to their hijinks trying to get from, you know, one part of the high school while avoiding, yeah. you know, I can't remember what the detention teacher's I, name was, but do you remember? Can't remember mm, either. No, not important at this moment, which by the way, yeah. in terms of, they don't do all day detentions anymore. Do no. They? And this was on a Saturday, which I don't know which teacher would want to spend their Saturday. I wouldn't. Watching, <laughs> watching teenagers. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm willing to kind of <laughs> suspend my disbelief. The only teachers that I know would do anything on a Saturday is if it was like, like some type of varsity competition of sorts. Right. But apart exactly. from that, it's like, yeah, I don't know that I'd be going in on a Saturday. No, thanks. Yeah. To, like, and it has to be some crazy overtime if I was going to do yeah. that, you know. <laughs> but I, I have to say, Krisha, it's interesting that we kind of, again, the two of us really being logistically driven and really rule-based in our learning and rule-based in our following and stuff like that, that the films that we gravitated to are about teenage delinquency, you know. And when I think about delinquency, like delinquency is about, you know, minor crimes, misconduct or wrongdoing. In other words, it's right. it's not doing what's what we're expected. And I think quite often Filipino values tell us to follow a particular path. And of mm -hmm. course, when we don't, there's a lot of implied messaging that we're not doing what we're expected to do. And I have to say, at the, I think at the beginning of my education and my professional career, I didn't really veer off a lot from that path. And I just remember mm -hmm. my parents saying to me, oh, you're really good in sciences. Perhaps that's what you should pursue in university. And it was like, oh, okay, right. sure. I was like, why should I deviate? But in as mm -hmm. much as I could do that and go away to school, and I don't think that that was also on the education path that most people saw. I think most people mm -hmm. were like, stay in town enough, you know, stay in town, yeah. don't go far away. But it was like, no, but I... I remember traveling to Western and it was like, oh my God, this is the place that I need to yeah, study. Uh -huh, I really uh -huh. needed to kind of veer off and take what I'm calling here the scenic route. And I don't think I'll ever regret having done two undergraduate degrees and a bunch of graduate degrees <laughs> 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 at the same time. But, you know, 
I think it was important for mm-hmm. me to have maybe followed, yes, that science-based degree, mm-hmm. but then later changed from hard sciences to social sciences and health. And I have to say, I, I don't regret it. But what's fascinating is our family has always supported, but it was interesting to hear other Filipino families come to me and say, you know, when would you be done? Or when would I start working? Or why don't I set up my own business? You know, and I knew that it was all really, you know, well-meaning and intentional. Right, right. But it was really a message of like, oh, you're taking a long time to, to get everything done yeah, to start your yeah. career. And again, and I'd like to kind of frame all of that as the scenic group. And in some ways it's helped me protect you know, myself in terms of my feelings around like doing something bad or not meeting those expectations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think to myself, you know, when I was making some of these choices, it was at age 20 when I didn't know. And was I really actually getting actual advice? No. Right. Like, you know, Mm -hmm, our parents mm -hmm. were doing the best that they can, but it's not like they knew the post-secondary education system here in Canada. Right. It it was much different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different for sure. So, you know, when I look back on it though, I don't think I'd ever change any of it. I'm actually glad to have taken a scenic route, even though my first degree isn't directly applicable to what I do in my daily job and in my daily work. But it's really taught me the value to follow my direction and not focus too much on the destination. Right. Found that that's kind of sometimes what our culture does is it it says, get here. When are you going to get there? Are you going to get there? Have you gotten right. there? When are you going to get mm-hmm. there? Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm going to take the scenic route because I kind of need to yeah. take the scenic route. Right. Have you, have you ever taken the scenic route, you know, for your career or education? Well, Kuya, as you know, I've gone back to school. Yes. So <laughs> it's been, I've been out of school for like 18 years. Yeah, yeah. So part of me, which is that I had kind of gone into university after college, Perhaps. but then I wouldn't have gained all of this amazing experience experience yeah. that I have yeah. and then come like going into university now it's kind of like a light bulb has switched and I'm like oh, I know this I know this and yeah. how do I know this through my experience yeah. right yeah so maybe if I did go to school when I was younger or in the university when I was younger then maybe I wouldn't have been successful as I feel like I am now because I I wouldn't have had gained all of that experience that I had previous. Yeah, in some ways, I would say, just like I say about my scenic route, just as much as you're saying about your scenic route, is that the lived experience Mm -hmm. has really given you insight all these years Mm -hmm. later. And listeners, what you should know is both Krisha and I are both in school, even after the Mm -hmm. fact, even though I thought I would never go back to school again. (laughs) And here here I am taking another degree because I can't seem to stop learning. (laughs) Apparently, lifelong Mm -hmm. learning is a thing, eh, Krisha? Lifelong learners. Yes, yes, we are. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you kind of keep it all straight in your head in terms of just kind of making sure, yes, the insight that you've gotten from your lived experience propels you? Is there anything else that propels you kind of going forward? Forward within my schooling or within my life, do you mean? Yeah, and particularly schooling and anything that you want to share about your life. But, you know, when other people are asking you kind of like, oh, like you've gone back to school, like why didn't you go back earlier? Or why didn't you do it right away and stuff like that? Because there's always going to be detractors out there or people that just kind of ask these questions. Right. Just curious, mm -hmm. but... I don't think they actually really know what they're saying is that the destination is more important than the direction, 
in a lot of ways. Right, so then right. how do you kind of just buttress yourself from that kind of criticism, if we can kind of call it that? Well, so I got my ECE diploma and then I decided, well, let me take a few years and work. Mm. Well, once you start working, you kind of get caught up in working yeah. and then it goes from there. And then life gets busy and then you meet someone and then you buy a house and then you have a child right. and just kind of yeah. life just kind of snowballs and there's no really good time to do what I wanted to do. So in the back of my mind, I always had, I want to go back to school. I want to become a teacher. And I know you were also back there, Quia, like kind mm. of telling me like kind of. I knew you could do it. I, you know, I've right. watched your career from afar and I'm like, I right. know my Push, cousin Krisha can me. do it. Yeah. Yeah, kind of pushing me to kind of go along that path. And I think it wasn't until I had like a performance appraisal with a principal of mine. And at the end of my appraisal, she had said to me, Krista, you're a teacher. And I think hearing that really validated for me that I needed to continue my education. So it was nice to hear it. And I decided, okay, this that's it. This is the time I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to do this. You know, it's so fantastic that you've been able to go back to school. I'm a, I just have to say, I'm so proud of you. and so delighted mm-hmm. that you're back to school because I think you are exactly where you need to be as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Whatever someone says, whether you should have done this earlier or whatever the case may be, I think you're exactly where you mm-hmm. need to be. I wonder if you, at some point, yes, you had gotten feedback that said, you know, maybe this is a good step to take but it's Mm -hmm. so easy to kind of look at life and say oh I'm just so busy right now I I don't know if I can fit it in and stuff like that right what was the last final push that kind of got Mm -hmm. you to like yep I'm gonna put my application in I'm gonna do this uh what was the last you know Kuya being Filipinos I think we're very hard workers yes so when I'm at a job, I give it my all. Yes. So I, I do a lot of work and I don't mind because I love, I love, 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 love my job. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily getting paid the same as mm. my teaching partner is. Right. So, right. you know, I just wanted to better me. I wanted to better my lifestyle. I wanted to better my kids' lifestyle and as you well. you wanted to be valued, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Krista, I know... Yes, things are about money, mm-hmm. but I think, mm-hmm. it, but behind it all is knowing that you're being valued yeah. for what yeah. you bring to the classroom. And, right, and right. And then sometimes it does become a credentialing game, mm-hmm. you know, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. And that's the right, game right. that we're in. And if it means having to go back to school, then so be it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. F- fantastic choice. And mm-hmm. like what I said, you're exactly where you need to be. Scenic group be damned, right? Like it is, the, <laughs> it is a good route to be on as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. So, mm-hmm. so that really takes us to the fixing of the week, which is I want everybody, and I think Krista, you would agree to follow your direction and don't mm-hmm. be so caught up on the destination mm-hmm. or what people think is the destination. So mm-hmm. would you add anything else to that fixing of the week? I think that was perfect, Clea. Wonderful. Well, it's been perfect having you on here on the Holo Holo podcast. I can't wait for you to come back on again. Will you come back (laughs) on again? Definitely. I would love to be back. Oh, fantastic. Well, Krisha, I think you should take us out. We love email and we want to hear what you think about our podcast. Email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. The Holo Holo podcast is available on all podcast platforms. 
rate us and leave a review. You can find us on social media, Twitter. Our handle is at Hollow Hollow Pop and on Instagram at Hollow Hollow Pop Culture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Cheltering, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>